Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Are you, I usually say excited, but are you prepared to be in the presence of God today? Um, I like that this is going right after the scripture reading because I hope that the scripture reading put us in the right frame of mind for why we're here today. Um, earlier this year, when we started, I was talking to the Rising Generation workers, and it was something that God had impressed on my heart to tell them. And I believe that this, is, this has been a general theme. We're not here to entertain anyone, right? I know, yes, we have the colorful lights and everything. We are the woo-hoo people. But we're not here for entertainment. We're here to fellowship with God. And I, honestly, the first time I read that scripture, when I got to that exact verse in Psalm 33 where he says, when he says stop, everything stops. I, it almost just painted a picture for me and it says, like, if we don't get serious with this, like, if we still think this is like, oh, you have a life and you're trying to merge God into it, you're trying to balance it, you know, like all those kind of language is still inferior to what God wants. It's a complete, total surrender. You're not in charge of anything. He's in charge of everything. So I want you to write this. Don't clap, please. I want you to write this statement. Jesus is Lord. Please, everybody, if you have something, write it down. If you write that statement, Jesus is Lord. We know it. It's simple. The title of my message today is The Mind of Christ. As God started to speak to me about today, and also in line of what he's been speaking to me all through this year, he started to show me how before we even start to do anything, we must first recognize the gifts that he has given to us to be able to live the life that he asked us to live, right? We, we think our life is, oh, I, I'm going to be this, I'm going to go there, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make impact on these things and these things, but God says your life in its entirety, he created you and me for what? For his pleasure, right? If we read in um, Revelations chapter 4, I'm going to just go to one of my later scriptures because it will helpful here. Revelations chapter 4 verse 11. It says, Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive the glory and the honor and the power for you created all things, and because of your will, key, because of your will, they exist and were created and were brought into being. <laughs> Unfortunately, you were not born because your parents decided like, oh yeah, we want to have a child. Yes, that was what they thought. 
but you were brought into this world because of God's will. Because of God's will, not anything else. Because of his will, that's why you exist. Biologically speaking, I know there are doctors here. The chances that you are are the one that came through is enough to let you know that God is interested. But not only interested, for his will. Right? For his will. Right? Let's now go to the main text of today, which is Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 18. I just want you to hold it there, right? Because it's the scripture we're going to be reading all through. But we're going to take others. This scripture is telling us the attitude that we should take. And I will encourage us to read it ourselves. The attitude and the heart we're supposed to have if we truly have come to Christ, have come to receive him, and we're children of God now, right? Quickly, Romans 12, 1 to 2 says, So I beg you, brothers and sisters, because of great mercy, of the great mercy God has shown us, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to him, an offering that is only for God and pleasing to him, right? Consider what he has done. It is only right that you should worship him this way. Thank you, Daddy. Don't change yourselves to be like the people of this world, but let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to understand and accept what God wants for you. See, all the time I used to read this and it always drove me to say, okay, I need to go into the word of God and I need to study the word of God and then, you know, it's going to change my mind and everything. But in this past two weeks, God has even taken it deeper for me in that when we read that scripture, he's not just talking about the things that are considered evil in the world. You know, don't tell lies, don't do all these things, don't, don't covet, don't backbite, all of that stuff. Yes, those are explicit, right? But he's saying that even the modes of thinking, cultural ways of thinking, traditional ways of thinking, tradition, even Christian traditions, because Christians have traditions, you know. We do now. How are you doing today? I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm not saying you are not blessed and highly favored, but I'm saying, do you, do you actually believe it or are you just I'm blessed and highly favored? You're just, don't just allow yourself to be conformed, right? You've been coming to church, so you have been trained. You know how to say all the right things. God is much more than that. He says he wants to change the way you think. And God showed me that before he even starts to give you his word and all of this stuff, he's going to give you something critical that is necessary for you to be able to do all of these things, which is the mind of Christ. Right? The mind of Christ. Right? Listen, this is not that he's, this is not the one I'm saying where you're reading the word and you're being transformed. This is the mind of Christ that he has given to us as a gift that is necessary for you to be able to even be transformed. Does that make sense? Right? It's like, you, you know when you picture the cart and the horse, they say you should never put the cart before the horse, right? You, the cart is the mind of Christ. It needs to be there first before the whole thing can be moving. Right? And the mind of Christ is not something we work for. It's a gift. Right? 
so now let's read that scripture that I was saying, Philippians chapter 2, right? It says, therefore, is there any consolation in Christ? If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, right? Of one mind. How is it possible that hundred of us in this building can have one mind? It's possible because it's the mind of Christ. It's possible because it's the mind of Christ. Then it says, this is example, when you have that mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowlessness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. I tell you that the mind of Christ is needed for all of us because not only is it proven already, because Christ has come and he has lived. He has lived. He has proved that this mind is what it really takes to please God because he did it to the point of death. And that is, this mind is a complete state of insignificance. Like you do not of no reputation, right? This is the example Jesus gave us. I, I opened the scripture on my phone and my phone is, is, is see, uh, on my chair there. Um, Amanda, please, can you please uh, bring the phone? There's a scripture that where Jesus is being described. Um, he describes himself as the wisdom of God. Right? If it's not there, don't worry about it. Um, I don't know where I dropped it then. So, in Proverbs chapter 8, I believe, right, is the wisdom of God. He's describing it. And he says at some point, he says, I was there before you even created anything. Like before he said, let there be light. Jesus was there. Go and read that scripture and see. Ah, he, he said something when he was praying. He said, return me to the glory we had even before the world began. That's where the glory is. Go and read Proverbs 8. That's it. He said, we were together before the world was even formed, I was the chief architect by your side. While you laid the limits of the earth, while you set the boundaries of it, Jesus was there. This is Jesus. But what did he do from verse 5? Uh, verse 7. He says, but he made himself of no reputation. Can you imagine that? The 
person who was there before all these things that you are seeing existed, he made himself of no reputation. Because when God shows up, I'm no more. Everything else stops. Right? That's the, that's the mind that Jesus had. And that's the same mind that God expects us to have. It's also dual because the way you can really test is not just by how you are submitted to God, but by also how you are submitted to one another. Remember what Pastor Victor told us last week? Ah, they are forgotten. It's a measure. But see, you can't begin to exercise all of those things if you have not yet received the mind of Christ. You would think, oh, ah, submit to one another, another topic, let's be, eh, eh, what if? That argument, that combating in your heart that's happening is because the mind of Christ is not in you. Right? I'll, I'll, Stay with me, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me, Keep, stay with me. I knew, I knew this one was tough. Ask my wife, I've been praying for like three days. Honestly, this is the one. I don't know, this one, God was like, I knew you better pray. See, in first, let's go to First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 to 16. Let's let the Holy Spirit explain this. It says, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. So all of these things is now see verse 16, right? For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can know enough to teach him? But we understand these things. Why? Please, together. For we have the mind of Christ. Why do you understand the ways of God, the teachings of God? Why is it that you know that, oh, I should not be doing this. I should set myself apart. Why do you have the ability to do all that? Because you have the mind of Christ. That's it, right? So if you want to, if really you want to change something, you have to be talking to God. God, I don't think I have the, your true understanding in this area. Because if I did... I would not be X, Y, or Z. Right? But if you're always looking at it that, God, I'm, I'm doing X, Y, or Z, you are, you are trying to address the symptom, but you are not getting the real thing. You're not getting the real thing. He's trying to get us all to a place where we are all in the mind of Christ because it's his will that needs to be done. 
Jesus lived only 33 years. He did not complain. He had no child. Yet all of us want to die because of marriage and children. James chapter 4 verse 10. This is in Amplified. He says, humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord. And he will exalt you. He will lift you up. He will give you what? Purpose. All these, oh, you, you already have what you want to do. Then you go to God. Fam, you are done. Go to God. Humble yourself. No reputation. God, I, forget all the plans that I had. And then he will lift you up and he will give you purpose. It's not a lie. It happened in the life of Jesus too. Let's go back to that same scripture. Philippians 2, same scripture, 8 to 10. And being found in the appearance as a man, this is Jesus, he humbled himself. What did James say? Humble yourself, right? What is Jesus doing? So when I say take the mind of Christ, I'm saying take something that has already been proven and works. He's already done it. Being, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him. Right? He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And at the right time, what? he will what? lift you up. Then Jesus does what? He found himself in the appearance of a man, humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. And therefore, God also exalted him and gave him a name. So what's his purpose? Right? He came to save. Gave him a name which is above every name. Let's go. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those underneath the earth. Right? And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. He's our example. If we think it's going to be different for you and I, we're kidding ourselves. That's why I said let's be serious. If Jesus had to humble himself, what are you going to do? You have no other choice but to humble yourself. That's God's way. Right? That's why, right? Let's look at Jesus again, his example. I want, I want to buttress Jesus in his life, the way he lived his life, so we see it. Matthew 3, 13 to 15. These ones are going to be quick. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized. Matthew 3, 13 to 15. Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Verse 14. But John tried to talk him out of it. Right? See what I mean? Like, you can't even allow Christian traditions. Because hear what John says. John knows who Jesus is. <laughs> he knows who Jesus is. He says, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. Or me, forget this thing that you're talking about. You are the Olivier. I should be the one that is baptized by you. But what does he say? What does Jesus say in verse 15? He says, but Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. See where Jesus' mind always is, right? Some of you now, if that was, honestly, if that was me, John, yes now, of course. 
you, I'm glad you know that I'm the one that should baptize you. And he's the wisdom, like, do you get it? He's the wisdom of God, like, but yet he will not. Let's look at his life again. Mark 10, 17 to 18. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I like Jesus. Jesus is always clear in what you are trying to do. He's like you. Go to verse 18. He says, why do you call me good? Some of us are living every day. We don't even know that people are trapping us with all their, all their ah, hear you, chief, my boss. Relax, get yourself in right mind. God is the boss. All this, oh, I don't want to say that loud because now they won't be telling, they won't be telling people good job. Like when, <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't like tell people good job, but recognize who is in charge. Who is in charge? Right? He says, why do you call me good? Hey, if there's one person that should be called good, it's Jesus. But he says, why do you call me good? And what is his answer? Jesus asked, only God is truly good. In other words, Jesus even recognizes his place even in God that as wisdom, as magnificent, as everything as he is, he is nothing without the Father. And that's the mind of Christ that we must have. Right? Let's see again. John chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. Jesus gave them this answer. Amazing. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do, he can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. The mind of Christ. What the father does, what we do. Right? Luke chapter 2, from verse 45 to 50. In case you think that Jesus just stumbled upon this. He's been doing this for a while. And I'm glad this is a takeover Sunday. Because here we can see that the mind of Christ is available even for young ones, young ones, young ones, right? This is Jesus. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him where? In the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought for you anxiously. And he said to them, Why do you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Look at verse 50. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. They're living in the same house. They are the ones that took him there. You get that? But they did not get it. They did not know that 
this one year, every one year we come to the throne of God, one year, one year, that's not the way. We are supposed to be here perpetually in the Father's house, taking care of the Father's business. They did not understand it. But that is what needs to be in all of us. That we are here by the will of God for his will. It's his plan that matters. Right? You become insignificant before God. Taking on whatever he says he has planned for you. Right? It is a complete attitude of insignificance and surrender. Right? See, before God gives us access to the deep things of his heart, he commits or commits to us his purposes, right? He has to first, that mind has to first be in us. He says he will not give his pearls to what? Pigs. Because pigs don't know the value of pearls. And they will trample on it. God, ah, you know how God is so rich and we know how he's so rich? Some of us, God cannot even commit his riches to us because he knows that if he gives you, you are going to go and be funding the kingdom of darkness straight up. You, you have no mind to see. He's blessing me. Why? Why? Why does he do all this for us? The mind of Christ must first be there. Because when the mind of Christ is there and is subjected to God, everything else can be in the right perspective. Right? He gives you material things. You know he's giving them for me to enjoy and to be a blessing unto others. Right? So you honor him with your wealth. And when somebody in need comes to you, you can freely give. Not carrying, uh, if, I, if I give this money, when I get another one, and he brings a peace into your life that allows you to live free. Right? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 to 21, it says, in a wealthy home, which is the kingdom of God, there are some utensils that are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions and the cheap ones are used for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Right? Many of us want this. Oh God, I want you to use me. I want you to do all these things. That, that's the things we crave. But God is saying, you are coming to me like... Most of you, is because you want people to be saying, ah, mommy, daddy, Gio, you are the pastor, ah, carry your bag, mommy, let me help you do this. It's all pride. You are, you are only here for yourself. Oh, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. At the end of the day, none of the reasons why you're asking God to bless you has to do with, in fact, you don't even know when the Christmas charity program is. You just, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Okay. So that's what will happen. The mind of Christ. When the mind of Christ is present, you will see clearly that even the little that he has given you, there's still opportunity for you to be a blessing within it. 
And when you do that, he says, you, by doing that, you are humbling yourself before him. And what? He will lift you up. This is what we're talking about. Right? So, like I said, the mind of Christ is a gift. So if you are thinking, ah, I know all this mind of Christ thing, how do I get it now? He gave us part and parcel of our salvation, this mind. It's not so, like your mind, like you need the word of God to be transformed daily. But this mindset has been given to us as part of our new nature, right? Let's read 2 Timothy verse 1 to 7. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of what? A sound mind. A sound mind. Right? Spirit of power. I like the way God put it. He first of all says, look, I've already made you people strong. Right? But that your strength is guarded by a few things. The spirit of love. Right? So you are not just, ah, that's why in the Bible, one, some of the disciples were calling Jesus, let us just call fire to burn down these people right here, right now. Like, what do they mean they don't want to accept Jesus? Burn them. Right? That's where you get fanatics from. Right? Jesus, right, gives us sound mind, the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ, right? And like he said, he has not given us fear. What has he given us? These things, power, love, sound mind. He has already given it to us. So as we are all seated here, the reason why all of us can be sure that it's very possible for us to be of one mind is because we all are believers, right? We have all believed in Jesus, right? And we have all received his spirit, right? And I tell you that one of that aspect is that the spirit he has given you, has sound mind is part of it. Sound mind. Sound. I like it. Sound. Like it's clear. There's no hidden motives. It's always pure. It's always pure. It's always from above. Right? Colossians 3, 9 to 11. It says, don't lie to each other. Right? The mind of Christ again. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and its wicked deeds. Right? The sinful nature came along with wicked deeds. The sinful nature came along with wicked deeds. But now, in verse 10, he says, put on your new nature. Right? This new one has the mind of Christ because it's the nature of Christ, right? It says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and what? Become like him, right? As you learn to know, right? Think of it like this. You learn to know him and you become him. Right? Because you're already him. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Right? Let me do it like this. Chris is always using this example in our class, and I love it. Chris has a son, right? His son is already a man. Does that make sense? Right? He's a, he's a baby now, but he's already a man. 
right? He's a man. Biologically, he's a man, right? All he needs to do, right, is to keep observing his father, right? Learning to know, okay, as he sees, okay, this is how you tie your shoes. This is how you do. And he will become, right? So the things that you will see Chris doing, how he ties his shoes, how he does all of these things, you start seeing it in his son too. It's already there. It's just he is young. He does not yet know. But by observing and keeping his focus on there, right, he becomes it, right? Now, that new nature, this is where the example we're saying, that new nature itself, that one is that, that's where the mind of Christ is, right? Because it's when you put on that new nature, that mind of Christ, that you will now start being able to even accept all of these things, like wanting to go to the scriptures, wanting to learn of God, wanting to spend time in the world, the Holy Spirit coming to walk with you. But if you don't put on that new nature, the old nature will always lead you to wicked deeds. And when I mean wicked deeds, again, I'm not just saying, oh, you're killing people, you're doing all of these things. I mean, you're even just walking by your own understanding. Right? There's a way that seems right unto who? Man. But the end is what? Destruction. Destruction. Right? So what we're talking about is not, you're not trying to, You're not trying to gain this mind. You are, you are receiving it because he has already given it to you. And that mind is what is going to empower you. It's going to, go to allow you to be able to live everything, right? To be able to say, God, I'm going to live for you. To be able to say, I let go of these things. I surrender myself to you. Because that is what the mind of Christ is based on. It's submission, total surrender. Proverbs chapter 4.23 tells us something. It says, guard your heart above all else. Why do we have to guard it? Because if, that, if, you, if, if something starts to be able to get at your heart, right, that mindset, right, you will start immediately. Immediately, you will be off course. You will, right? Romans 8, 5 to 8, let's read it. It says, people who live following their sinful selves think only about what they want. Does that sound like many of us? You wake up in the morning, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. Not saying that you don't have plans, because you should have plans, but God is in charge. That's the mind of Christ. God is in charge. So because he's in charge, I go to him first. And I let him decide. And if he says, okay, yes, the plan you have, as we discussed yesterday, go do this, go do that. Something can change. Right? It says those who follow their sinful selves think only about what they want. What they want. God, give me 10 cars. God, give me this money. God, give me this. Only what you want. But those who follow who live following the Spirit are thinking about what the Spirit wants them to do. 
that's what you're constantly thinking about if you have the mind of Christ. If you have truly embraced it, you're not just thinking about what I want to do. It's what does God want me to do? Right? It says in verse 6, if your thinking is controlled by your sinful self, there is spiritual death. But if your thinking is controlled by the spirit, there is life and peace. Right? Verse 7, why is this true? Because anyone whose thinking is controlled by their sinful self, what is against God? They refuse to obey God's law, and really they are not able to obey it, for they are ruled by their sinful selves. For those who are ruled by their sinful selves cannot please God. If the mind of Christ has not yet come into you, it's not possible. I, I'm not making this up. It's not possible. You can try for a while. You know? You can try for a while. But eventually you'll see that you'll get tired. Right? But if you receive this mind of Christ and you put it on as the nature, right? And you begin to let it cultivate everything about you, right? The Bible says that you will be able to please God. You will be able to please God, right? How many know that Jesus pleased God, right? This is my beloved son in whom what? I am what? So if you have the same mind that he has, what will be said about you? This is my beloved son, in whom I am what? Well pleased. Well pleased. Right? I'm not saying I'm perfect, though. Please. Not saying I'm perfect, but because the mind in me now is a subjected mind to God, the mind of Christ, God says, I found one. Right? Think of David. You think David did, David did more than you have done? David, oh, he's such an inspiration sometimes. He did more than most of us will ever do. You, you have shall not plotted for somebody to die, have you? He orchestrated how to kill somebody. David, smart guy. <laughs> but what? His heart. What did God say about his heart? Right? He has found one, right? Who's what? His heart is after his. Because of that, God says, that's enough. I can work with that. See, all the quirks around you, we'll fix it. But if you have the already natural disposition, now David lived in a time where he could not have even been receiving it for free. But we, we, we believe in God and he gives it to us. So we should rejoice. Right? Now, let's look at how that's an example of it in the Bible. Luke chapter 5, verse 47. When he finished teaching, he said to Simon, push out into deep water and let your nets out for a catch. Simon said, this is Peter, Master, we've been fishing all night and haven't caught even a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let out the nets. It was no sooner said than done, a huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. They waved their partners over in the boat to help them. They filled both boats, nearly swamping them in the catch. Verse 5 and 7 is the key part. Simon said, Master, he 
you read your Bible and you just skip, you will forget that something incredible has happened. How do you, a master of fishing by trade and by everything, Oga, as you shake in, put it on way. Sepe, you are who? Because you are what? But in one instance, and I saw it in the life of Peter and Paul, in one instance, there, something has changed. He says, Master, Master, Master. If somebody is your master, who are you? Servant or slave at best. Surrender. He's already surrendered from his beginning. He says, Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't even caught a minnow. Right? God is not afraid. Right? But what did Peter say? He says, but if you say so. Those two things are connected. That master and but if you say so, they are very connected. Because without being master, you won't surrender to whatever he says. Right? What did the mother of Jesus tell those uh, servants at the wedding in the Cana of Galilee? He says, whatever he tells you to do, what? Even his mother already knew him as master. They didn't know when he was in his father's business. That time they lost him. But between them, the Bible says something carefully about Mary. He says he, she kept these things in her heart. And she gets to a point where she says, whatever he tells you to do, do. Whether we get wine here, it's not my business anymore. He said his, name, his time has not come. We hear you. So whenever your time comes, whatever you tell us to do, we will do. And when you do that, God says, ah, she has surrendered. <laughs> oh yeah, fill the jars with water. He will show up. If he's in charge, he's in charge. If he's in charge, he's in charge. Right? So when you give it to him, don't think, ah, if I have this mind of Christ now, everybody just be riding me, riding me, riding me. Doing this. You have the mind of Christ. In fact, let them ride you. You will have the best outcomes. Best outcomes. Right? Always. Not even one time. Always. Right? Peter, he caught more than he has ever caught in his life. Right? The six gallons. The six, the six gallons each holds 20 to 30 gallons. There were six jars. Jesus, in one night, produced at the very least 120 gallons of freshly produced heavenly divine wine. 120 gallons. Huh? He didn't even need to go to Walmart. Right? Ephesians 2, 8 to 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that none, no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Created where? In, in, in Christ Jesus. Right? So if you are in Christ Jesus, everything about him should be what is about you. 
right? Created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, right? I'm beginning to get to, <laughs> beginning to, get to the end. That's not English. <laughs> I'm getting to the close of my sermon, right? But it's important, right, that that statement in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, right? Remember what I said in the beginning, that it's by his will that we exist, right? For his will we exist. By his will we exist, right? And we are his workmanship. Let's put ourselves in the right perspective of why, who we really are, right? Yes, we are loved and we are children of God, but recognize that God created us for a purpose. And that purpose will only be found when we have completely surrendered ourselves to him, right? That surrendering, right, has, we have the ability to do that because we have the mind of Christ, when he's giving instructions, we know that he loves us, so we obey. The mind of Christ is such that, you know, Jesus never walked the earth feeling inferior to anyone. Right? He never walked the earth feeling inferior. He never walked, in fact, there was times when they tried to kill him. He would walk, in the, one time he says he walked out from amongst them. His time had not yet come. He knew what his purpose was here. And his by, by nature, he was surrendered to God. And God was committed to him. Are you surrendered to God? Right? Are you? If you're finding that I'm not, you need to be praying this prayer. God, the mind that was in Christ that you have given to me. Help me to receive this. Open my eyes to receive this. Right? Open my eyes to see it. To receive this mind. And in the word of God, he will start to cultivate and teach you. And teach you this mind that you have. Especially looking at the life of Jesus Christ. But that mind must first be in us. You want to have a better relationship at home? The mind of Christ first. You want to have a better relationship with your siblings, your, your daughter, your son? The mind of Christ first. Right? The mind of Christ, right? I'm about to say this, and I hope all the parents. The mind of Christ can be the difference between punishment, right? Like just punishing your children and giving them discipline. Huh? Where you're not just, oh, just through anger, this everywhere. The mind of Christ will help you to see things clearly. I don't know if you have ever asked God, like, God, how should I even deal with this thing that this child has done? But no, you know everything. So you call him, Anulwakbo, come here. Uh. 
you just start. The mind of Christ, total surrender because God is in charge. Because God is in charge. What was that statement that we wrote in the beginning? Jesus is what? Jesus is what? Lord. How many of you have landlord? Oh, you are a landlord. Uh, yeah, that one. How many of you are landlords? Raise your hand now. Don't be shy. Please raise your hand. Be confident. Are you a landlord? Yes. Who is in charge? I know that. In your, in your house, the house that you own, that you are a landlord, who is in charge? If they need to, if you, your tenant, you know you have tenant. Who is in charge, tenant or you? Tenant is living there, don't know. They are the ones living there every day, but you are the one that is in charge. So he can afford to come and paint the house a different color. Tenant can complain all they want. You are in charge. If I say this house, we are going to paint it blue tomorrow. Guess what color is going to be tomorrow? Blue. I'm in charge. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's in charge. He's in charge. Everything about you, he's in charge. Some of our students now, you're going back to school. Semester is coming up. You have taken classes. He's in charge. Right? How do you know he's in charge? Start, start talking to him about it. Father, how do I study for this class? You have not even asked God how to study a class before. You have not asked God, how do I relate with my professor? You have not asked God, how should I, like, should I take this particular one or that one? When we start, when the mind of Christ really is in us, even the small details, you don't, you, you can't even move. I like David again. I think it was Evangel that read the scripture. Or no, somebody during the panel, Kevin. Right, he read the scripture. David asked God, Should I go and attack these people? God said, Yes, go. Another time he came, he says, But should I go? God says, Go, but don't do it like that. Go this way. Why? Because David understood who was in charge. And David was not a big, big guy. Strong guy, like David, go and read about David and his 300, mighty people. David, huh. but he understood that it's not, what did we read in Psalm 33? Soldiers, it's not their strength that will win you war. Horses, that's not what wins. But when a man has surrendered himself under God, under God, Victory is going to be the hallmark of your life. And I'm not saying that as though I'm trying to be in church culture. No, victory, because why? Christ has already won the victory. I'm telling you that this is not something that we're going to 
when we receive it and we start operating in it, it's not guesswork. Christ has already lived the life and he has already won the victory. So if you take his mind and begin to live in relation with God with his mind, the inevitable place you end up is where he ended up. The right hand of the Father, the place of victory and power. So why don't you just rise upon your feet? to receive the mind of Christ this is for those who at any point you have not said God I want to give my life to you I want to give my life to you that itself is a very act of surrender he loved you still loves you gave himself for you this is his offer will you receive will you believe if you believe is there any such person that actually wants to give their life to Christ anybody that wants to give their life to Christ Anybody that wants to give their life to Christ, whether here or online, this is a time of rejoicing. There's a great rejoicing in heaven when one sinner turns and repents. So this is not a time that we should feel as though dejected, but no, this is a time of celebration. If there's anyone if there's anyone that wants to say today, Father, I receive that love and I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm just going to say the prayer for those online. You can say with me. Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for your love that was shed in him. Thank you for the blood that was shed on the cross for me. I believe in that sacrifice. I accept that sacrifice and I accept Jesus to be my Lord now and forever in Jesus name. 